You're listening to the Watling and Owen Show. Welcome to a solo edition of the Watling and Owen Show. No Owens, just Watling here on a Tuesday night, our only show of the week, and figured we'd try to get something to you guys as we get ready for the new year coming up on Friday into Saturday. No Luke today. He uh, isn't feeling too good. We won't get too far into it, but we send our our best wishes to Luke, who is battling a nasty, nasty stomach bug, is what I've been hearing from the great Luke Owens himself. But we start the show, and we'll probably go to about 5.30 or so here, like we usually do a half-hour show with Luke when he's usually on. But it's a game that, surprisingly to some of our fans, I actually was locked in on the Bills-Patriots game. Caught some of that. Caught the Jets as well, taking down the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll get into that as well as Zach Wilson's performance in a moment. But I really want to start with the Bills' victory over the New England Patriots, a 33-21 to win. The Bills regaining the top spot in the AFC East. And, you know, say what you want about the Bills. They certainly play a real strong game. But I kind of want to start with Mac Jones. And I know it's surprising to say this. I know it's surprising to say, hey, look, the Bills just pretty much won the AFC East. But I've given a lot of flack to Mac Jones saying he's not a great quarterback, saying this and that. But I want to give him some slack. And what I think I realized in that game is he doesn't need to play like Josh Allen to win games. He's not going to play like Josh Allen to win games. You know, his the team around him, the defense around him helped him win those games. But in that same vein, if he's not the reason for winning, he's not your reason for losing. If we go back to that game a couple weeks ago when the Patriots beat the Bills, Everyone said, look, it's not because of Mac Jones. I even said that to discredit Mac Jones. But maybe we should be reframing Mac Jones as he's not the guy. He is one of the guys. And I think when I go to that, I say, look at his weapons, right? Look at who he has and who he's throwing the ball to. Look at his, his running backs. You know, Josh Allen's got some really nice weapons. You know, Stephon Diggs, Isaiah, Isaiah McKenzie balls out. You know, typically... You know, sans COVID, Gabriel Davis and Cole Beasley. Beasley's been a great slot receiver for him. Mac Jones doesn't even have a Cole Beasley, right? Mac Jones has Jacoby Myers. Nikhil Harry stinks as a first-round pick. There was other wet, other wide receivers out there in that draft that could be much better. And, and one could argue he has the worst weapons among all rookie quarterbacks. At least Trevor Lawrence has James Robinson, right? Davis Mills has Brandon Cooks. The Jets have way better weapons than Mac Jones carries. So I think maybe it's not so much this is Mac Jones' team, the Patriots being, but maybe it's is it is Bill Belichick, you know, the X Factor like we've talked about for so much. Is it the defense that we should be talking about more than Mac Jones? Because sure the quarterback's sexy and the quarterback's your guy and the guy you want to talk about. But I don't think with this Patriots team you can talk about the quarterback like you talk about the Chiefs, like you talk about the Bills or other key teams. You know? The Colts, it seems like it's always Jonathan Taylor in the defense, so why can't we shift it like that with the Patriots? Now, I say all that to say, if your quarterback's not your best player, maybe, and you know, maybe it's rhetorical, it's probably you're not going to go deep in the playoffs. 
right? When it comes down to the plus and you got two minutes left, you're not handing the ball off to, to your running back for a touchdown to drive 80 yards. You're, you're throwing the ball. And that's something that the Bills did extremely well in this game against the Patriots. It's something that this team, really, this is a, a big game for this team. You win it. Obviously, you, you retake the top spot in the AFC East. You're tied with Cincinnati, a game back of Tennessee who sits at number two, who is really not playing the greatest of football down the stretch here. And I think the game really solidified, and it solidified what this team is with that second-to-last drive, really that final touchdown drive for the Bills with about seven minutes left. You're up by five. At one point, it was fourth and one at the New England 34 with four minutes left, and, and you don't kick it, right? And I thought, oh, maybe you kick it, you go up eight, and now you need one stop. You know, you can get the stop, whether you stop them from scoring a touchdown or two-point conversion, you just need one stop. But you go for on fourth and one, and you ice the game eventually with a touchdown a couple minutes later. And you put the ball in the hands of your best player, Josh Allen. That's a Super Bowl winning type play. That's what Super Bowl teams do. You put the ball in the hands of your best player, and you let him execute. The Ravens have done it, and, you know, before there are thousands of injuries, before there are thousands of injuries, they really struggled, right? Or they didn't struggle, rather. They excelled in that role. You look at the Chiefs. You put the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hand, and you let him do the work. And that's what the Bills did with Josh Allen, and I like the type of aggressiveness that they played in this game. Three for four on fourth down. Did not trail for the entire game, I might add. Didn't punt once. This was the first time a Bill Belichick team had never forced the opposition to punt in almost 475 games. So give the team credit, you know. Last week we called out Sean McDermott. Call a better game. Execute the game plan better. And they did. They were not outcoached by Belichick. And you can't say that too many times in a year. And it certainly helps when you've got Josh Allen balling out for over 300 yards, three, three touchdowns, no sacks, which was really impressive by an offensive line that's struggled, to say the least. Isaiah McKenzie, the story of the day as well, with 125 yards, had just seven receptions all season before more than doubling that with 11, or doubling his total, I should say, with 11. So give this team credit. They bounced back without two of their top weapons in Gabriel Davis and Cole Beasley. And that's important to see from this team. And one thing that was really interesting to me, when you look at the difference between this game and last, it really was the passing game. It really was that win. And maybe if it's less windy, you know, maybe the Bills, the Patriots defense gets a hold on, on a guy like Josh Allen, who maybe hasn't played in too many big moments, just one really big playoff run. You know, the year before you lose in the first round to Houston. I still can't believe that that was a, a game that Houston was in, looking back now two years later. Really a, a not such a great team through everything they've been through. But you look at the biggest difference, and it was the possession, the time of possession. In the win for Buffalo, 35-25. In the loss, 28-32. So still pretty even. Only down you know, a four-minute a four swing for New England in the loss. But in that loss, Josh Allen only had the ball well, his longest drive was six minutes. And if you're the Bills and you have a struggling run game, a run defense, and a team that doesn't necessarily defend that run as well as it, as it should, you want to hold on to the ball. You want to have that ball as long as you can. And they did that in this game. 
You had Josh Allen long extended touchdown drives, not a six-minute drive that ends in a missed field goal. Those touchdown drives, and frankly, they left some points on the board. It was fourth and one at the one-yard line, and Emmanuel Sanders couldn't hold it. So they left seven points on the board in that first half, and fortunately it doesn't come back to bite them in the butt. But this is a team that needs the ball in their quarterback's hand. Those short passes that Luke likes to talk about every single week. Right? A a five-yard play on first down, same as a five-yard run for this team. And you look at the running game for New England in each game. In the loss, 150 yards, 5.5 yards per carry, three touchdowns. The loss, 222 yards, 4.8 yards per carry, and one touchdown. So roughly the same when you think about it. You know, New England ran the ball a lot more in, the, in, the, in their win for, you know, slightly less yards per carry, but it was roughly the same. And I think that was what was so interesting about this game is really the biggest difference was the passing game for the Bills. And I think that can translate across games because you beat a very good defense in New England. Now the offense, not too good. But to go out there and to beat a defense the way you did was very impressive against a team that has a great defense. You know, maybe not the best offense, but again, who cares? You won the game. And now you're, you're shifting again from last week. We're saying maybe they don't make the playoffs, right? They were tied with the eighth seed that was missing the playoffs. You switch from that to a team that currently sits a game away from second seed in the AFC. And that's something that you certainly wouldn't sneeze at if you're Buffalo. And that's only in one win. Now sitting at nine and six. So it feels like they've almost solidified their playoff spot. You're, you're playing a couple winnable games down the stretch. The Jets being one of them in week 18. The other one being the Atlanta Falcons, a team you should beat again. You should have beat Jacksonville a couple weeks ago and you didn't do that. You know, arguably you could have beat the Titans a couple weeks ago. But, you, you know, beyond that. But you didn't do that. Those are two winnable games that you have for a team now looking at another playoff run. And is this an overreaction? You know, chime in. Let us know. Tweet at us at Watling and Owens. Comment in the Twitch thread. Am I overreacting in one game where they went from 8-6 and six to 9-6? and six? It's only one game. I just said it. I don't think Mac Jones is, is that great of a difference maker. He's not really a difference maker at all. So am I overreacting? to what this win was? Or is this a win against a very good team in the AFC where every team some technical is difficulties very with my good. No team is really great. We're joining you now. Kansas City. Freestyle through the speaker like Luke We're was just a couple weeks ago. Division, uh, but I don't see a team in Tennessee that's all that great. That's sitting there just a game above you. Cincinnati is very, very beatable. And then it comes down to Kansas City, who's played a lot of football in the last couple of years. What is it? Back-to-back Super Bowl appearances. The year before that, they were one game away from that. Are they a little tired and worn down? Granted, they're a completely different team. But I look at Cincinnati. They've got the Chiefs and the Browns. Are they winning both those games? I don't think so. So maybe Buffalo leaps ahead of them to get into that three seed, where you're playing a couple of very flawed teams. You know, Miami or New England right now sits at the sixth seed. That's a good football team. That's a team you probably don't want to face if you're any team in these playoffs. But the seventh seed, Miami, they've won seven straight, but they're still very flawed. Baltimore, injured 
as can be. LA just got smoked by the Texans somehow. And I don't know what's going on there, but it just doesn't feel like they've got, maybe it's not the right coaching, maybe it's not the right execution, but they seem very, very beatable. And then you got the Raiders. The Steelers seem all but dead, despite being only half a game back of that mosh pile for the seven seed. So it feels like this is a team in, in Buffalo that's gone from, we might miss the playoffs somehow, because if you lost this game, you're sitting at, at what would have been eight and seven, to, hey, we've got it, and we've got a really good chance. And I think they do have a, as good a chance as any not named Kansas City. But win these games you've got in hand and, and, go, and go from there, because th this is still a dangerous football team. One thing really exciting is that according to ESPN's Football Power Index, Patriots-Bills, the most likely wildcard round at 49%. What would I like to see round three? Two really good, well-coached teams. I don't know if Luke could handle it, that's for sure, but that'd be a real exciting comp competition and contest between two division rivals, which would it cement the rivalry in the next chapter, because sure, Patriots fans hate the Bills. Sure, Bills fans hate the Patriots. But it seems like between the players, there's not much animosity. And I wonder if this would carry it over. So from fighting for playoff spots, we'll go to fighting for, for wins in general. And we'll slide over to the Jets now, here on the Watling and Owen Show. Just Matt Watling flying solo for now. If you'd like to join the conversation, comment on the Twitch thread. We'll get your comments out there. And see what you guys have thoughts on. We'll get to those as well. But the Jets edge up the Jacksonville Jaguars 26-21 in a COVID-filled victory. 20 different people on the COVID list for the Jets. And, and if you think this was a, a bad win or you wanted them to tank, get over yourself, please. Please get over yourself. Because it doesn't matter. It does not matter if the Jets won or lost this game in terms of tanking. I don't want to hear tanking anymore. I'm sorry. I know last year I was all in it. Tank for Trevor Lawrence. Go for it. But you can't tank now. You've got your quarterback, or what you hope is your quarterback. You've got a lot of draft picks in these next coming rounds. You've got five in the first three rounds. And they're all high draft picks, keep in mind. So one win where Zach Wilson looks competent, I'll take that over what would probably be the third pick in the draft. Sure, Hutchison and Thibodeau look great. And I mean great. They are surefire first and second overall picks. And they're not quarterbacks, which would be fantastic for this team. But I want to see good things from this team. There's so many unknowns from this team, from the coaching staff to the quarterback play to the line. I wanted to see a win. And I love the game plan from Rob Sala. That was executed by Ron Middleton, who acted as a head coach with Salah in COVID protocol. I wanted to see that because we haven't seen much from this team. We haven't seen much from Michael Fleur, and they showed us something. They showed us they looked like good coaches. They did what good coaches do. Going for it three times on fourth down in the final drive of the first half. And they completed three of five. Of those fourth down tries. Sure, they got a little funky with a fake field goal, which, you know, the old heads in the room were certainly not happy about that. But I liked it. Why? Because I wanted to win, but I wanted to see some fun football. 
Hasn't that, isn't that what we've been asking for this entire season for this team? Give me some fun offense. Give me some fun plays. Show something. And if they didn't come up with that stop on fourth down, the last play of the game, then sure, it's a little disappointing. But that cons that consolation is that higher pick. But I want to win, right? To see what they did and to see how fun it was and to see Connor McDermott climb the ladder for a touchdown on fourth and goal. What a gutsy call that was. And not only did he make a catch and secure the ball, he got up there. He, he had some hops, and, and that was awesome to watch. So good on the Jets. I don't care what you have to say. I wanted to see that. You saw fun offense. You saw a team that could move the ball with ease for the most part. Granted, that came from the running game with over 270 yards on the ground. But it was fun, wasn't it? I was watching that game. I was cheering and celebrating, and that's what you want to see if you're a Jets fan. The defense stuck through with the game plan. They managed to make stops when they had to. The offense played a full 60 minutes, arguably better in the second half. Sure, you had 13 points in each half, but seven of those in the first came on a Braxton Berrios kickoff return. So Zach Wilson continued to play well. He didn't turn over the ball for a third straight game. He feels more confident. He showed off his athleticism. He was looking downfield when he made some of those run plays. Ran for 52 yards and a touchdown on one of them. A little sidestep along the uh, the end line to break a tackle. So why not celebrate this win with the team? They looked good. They had fun. They were a fun team to watch. Zach Wilson had a Mac Jones-esque game, and that's good for him. When you consider he hasn't had a game like that before. 14 to 22, 102 yards, nothing to, to, you know, celebrate. Certainly not worthy of a second overall pick. But he had a touchdown. He was responsible for over 200 yards. And they won the game. And it kind of goes back to last week, the storyline was, are you concerned about this offense and the numbers it wasn't putting up? And Zach said, no, I'm not. I don't really look at the numbers. This is the kind of game where you don't look at the numbers. Because Zach wasn't particularly incredible throwing the ball, slinging it all over the place. But the team won. And they put up a respectable 26 points. Could have had more if you settled for field goals. But again, I don't care. Go for it every time. It's fun. You don't need to win this game. It was a nice little accomplishment. But you put up over 270 yards on the ground. And that's what this offense is all about. You look at what happens out there in San Francisco. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo is not a special quarterback. But he manages the game. Now, if they had a guy like Zach Wilson, maybe he takes it a step further, but it only you only get that with time. And I think Zach Wilson, the performance he had this weekend, was something to celebrate. And now you look at it going down the stretch, and you say, with two games left, what do you want from this team? Well, you can't expect another win, can you? You've got the Bills, and you've got Tampa down the stretch to end the year. How do you not how do you celebrate this win in the grand scheme of things if you end the season getting blown out by Tampa and Buffalo? You really can't. You really can't celebrate a game like this against one of the only teams worse than you if you don't follow it up with some success. And that doesn't have to mean wins. Because you're probably, I'll say it outright, you're not winning these games, either of them. Maybe you get lucky against Tampa. Maybe. But I doubt it. You, could, you thought Carolina could have gotten lucky when they're missing 
top receivers. They're missing Leonard Fournette for the rest of the year. But they got completely torched by Tampa Bay. But against two legit Super Bowl contenders in Tampa Bay and the Buffalo Bills, I want to see Zach Wilson continue to grow. Maybe he throws an interception or two. But if he can, you know, go 22 of 30 for 200-something yards and a touchdown and then run for another 60, I'll take that any day of the week. Because that's that growth. It's not just managing the game. It's taking it that step forward, which we haven't quite seen yet from Zach Wilson. So I don't care if you lose the game by 30. If it's 70 to 40, that's what I said at the beginning of the year. Let me see some fun from Zach Wilson and see some growth. And that's what you really want if you're a Jets fan. Because you can't expect them to win like they did against Jacksonville because Jacksonville stinks. Somehow they're worse than you. Somehow. Not many teams are worse than the Jets, but Jacksonville is certainly one of them. And you beat Houston too. As half your, your four wins. But you want to complain about tanking and having higher draft picks? Well, the Jets still have a lot of holes to fill. And they can certainly fill them with the picks they have. You can certainly fill it with the fourth and sixth overall picks in this draft. Shout out Chicago for, for beating Seattle. Because if they ended up losing somehow, the Jets go from the four and sixth pick to the fourth and what would be the ninth or tenth pick. And, and that's something that would certainly, certainly stink if you're the Jets. That's something I'd be upset about. Not the Jets winning, but Seattle winning. So you've got the fourth and sixth overall pick. You've got another high pick in the second round from Carolina, including your own. And you've got a handful of things you can, a lot of holes you can fill. I think cornerback is one of them. You want a high-end cornerback if you're this team. Although Eccles has looked pretty good. You know, this, the secondary you brought in hasn't even necessarily been such a big problem. Right? Uh, the, the, the uh, who was the safety that played? It was, it was P P Pinkles? I'll look it up. Uh, what's his name? I'll pull it up here for you, for you Jets fans. Don't you worry. Let's see here. Oh, where is it? Jason Panak. That's who I was looking for. His first start. Played real well. Real well. Eccles, not the best in, in that game, but he's been pretty pretty consistent for most of the season. But still, go out there. Get me a lockdown, a lockdown corner. A Marshawn Lattimore type. Because that makes a world of difference for a defense. Go out there and get an edge rusher. Go out there and get a game-changing wide receiver. You look at what just happened with, with, uh, with Burrow out in Cincinnati. Threw for the fifth, mo fifth most yards in a start in NFL history. He's got three elite weapons at his disposal. In Joe Mixon, in, in Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins. Well, you've got Elijah Moore, so that's one. You've got Michael Carter. Maybe he's not quite you know, Joe Mixon level. But he ran for over 100 yards in this past game. Who's that big guy? Is it Chris Olave? Is it another you know, wide receiver out of the draft? I have no issue spending that second first-round pick on a wide receiver because you see what Chase, Jamar Chase has done for Burrow when people were saying they should go out there and, and draft a lineman. But they didn't. So I don't mind going out there and getting a high uh, wide receiver with, your, with a top-10 pick. Because at this point, it's worth it. You want to make 
Zach Wilson the best quarterback he can be, and that's a way to do it. In that second round, maybe you go after you know the second best edge rusher you can find, or flip flop that with a cornerback, depending on best available. Go out there and get another safety since Marcus May is out for next year. I mean, you might not even be bringing him back, but go out there and and build through the draft because Joe Douglas. Sure, two years ago, his first draft wasn't too great. Denzel Mims is, is nothing at this point. But there's a lot you do like. There's a lot you like out of this team. Or out of the draft class he just brought in. Michael Carter, right? The Michael Carter the second on the defensive end has been pretty good. Elijah Vera Tucker has been great despite being out this past game. Not to mention Elijah Moore, an absolute stud. That wide receiver. So I say all this good, I'll, I'll throw you with some, or hit you with some unfortunate news for this team. No Becton for the rest of the year, quote, barring a miracle is what Rich Semini had reported. And it just thinks that you want to see him develop. You want to see how he played with Elijah Vera Tucker, and you're just not getting that this year. Rob Salas saying it wasn't poor rehab on his part, it wasn't not taking it seriously, it was just, he's a big guy and we misevaluated at the start. Another big blow, Connor McGovern out for the rest of the year with a knee injury. And he's been a great for you at center. Really, really good. And you're facing a team in Tampa Bay that has a pretty good rush, uh, pretty good pass rush. So go out there and see what you can do. Just again, hope Zach Wilson doesn't get hurt. But he seems to be a lot more comfortable back there, even with you know facing some pressure against Jacksonville. Evaded a couple, was able to scramble for a couple yards here and there. And now to transfer over to the Jets MetLife counterpart. Who cares about the Giants at this point? Friend of the show, Patrick O'Chang, reminds me of a quote that I had from, I think it was January 4th of 2021. I said the Jets would be better than the Giants this year. Before the draft, before free agency, I just had a feeling. We'll look at it now. They're both at four wins. I wouldn't say the Jets are better than the Giants. Right now, you know, it could end with a, a win against Buffalo if they have nothing to play for in Week 18. It certainly doesn't seem like the Giants are going to do anything down the stretch. When you've got Chicago and Washington remaining. Again, more winnable games than the Jets have. But does it look like the Giants are going to be beating anyone anytime soon? Really, really doesn't seem like it. Really doesn't seem like it. So maybe I was right after all. But looking back at the Giants, I think when you look at the two franchises, the Jets are, they're on the upward trajectory. And it feels like the Giants are where they were a couple years ago, you know, bringing in a new GM, maybe when they brought in Joe Douglas. But the difference between the Jets and Giants here is the Jets brought in someone from the outside. And the Giants, we don't know. We don't know where they're going with the GM. But what we do know is that they want to keep, apparently, Daniel Jones and Joe Judge. And that's scary after you're embarrassed 34-10 to 10 against the Eagles. You've got teams winning with their backups. You know, Davis Mills is not a great quarterback, but he goes out there with less talent and beats the Chargers. And you can't even score 20 points against the Eagles. Haven't had 30 points all season long. It feels like next year, if you bring back those two guys, is going to be another wasted year. You're, I'm punting on this season already. And it hasn't even, and this, I'm putting on next season, and this season hasn't even ended yet. That's really, really sad if you're a Giants fan. And it's, it feels 
Like, it's turning into same old Jets territory. That's what it is. Because this team hasn't really done anything this year. They've just wasted another year for a defense that should be better than it was. That spent a lot of money. When you spend a lot of money on a defense, you expect to be better than this. I don't even hate bringing back Daniel Jones. Because there's no option in the draft. And right now, they haven't proven to me that they deserve... This team doesn't deserve to go out there and spend high picks on Russell Wilson. Because they haven't fought. They haven't done anything to warrant wasting that money, or that draft capital, I should say, on a good quarterback. Because they're not going to do anything with Russell Wilson at this point. They haven't proven that to me. And that's a shame, because this team has some talent. They haven't been able to put it together, but the defense has some talent. They should be better than they are now. They should have taken a step forward compared to last year, not a step back. And I don't know if that's coaching, if that's scheme, if that's injuries, whatever that is, but this defense should be better than what they are showing us. And that's what's really sad for this football team. I know in the rundown, we, we prompted to talk about the Knicks. Well, they quickly beat a team in Atlanta that had nobody healthy, it seemed like. No Trey Young. Just a bunch of G League players at this point. But a win's a win. You needed the win if you're the Knicks. And Kemba Walker, through the COVID woes that this team's had, has been real solid for this team. Yes, he's been really, really solid these last four games or so. Averaging 40 minutes a night, 25-plus points per game in those games. And this is a Knicks team that needed to compile and stockpile wins. As you saw them well out of the playing game to now half a game back of a playing game. So they've gained a game, but keep winning games, right? You're 4-6 and six in your last 10, not good enough. Keep winning games. Try to get there. Scratch and claw your way to something because they certainly need to make the playoffs or else it's a complete failure. And I don't really know what you do if you lose and you, and you don't even make the play in this year. Right? So maybe Kemba makes a difference and fills in for Derrick Rose. Maybe he only plays 20 minutes a night with the starters to take the load off Julius Randle. Who needs it? Because he can't play and be the, the ball-dominant guy every single night. He just can't. He can't be that guy. Julius Randle. So for the Knicks, bring in Kemba Walker, see what he can do. You have Alec Burks as your starting point guard. You're going to tell me that Kemba Walker can at least bring a little bit more offensively. Not defensively, but maybe something offensively. I also kind of like Kemba in the backup role. And I know I'm going off on a different tangent here, but you let him replace what Derrick Rose brought in. He's playing against weaker opponents, right? The backups. You loved what this second unit did already. So he goes out there facing lesser opponents, doesn't have to play as hard defensively, playing less minutes. Maybe he's able to spark an offense for this second unit. That's right up there in talent with the top. You know, Burks to Kemba, similar. Fournier to Quickly, similar at this point statistically. If not, Quickly's better. You know, Obi Toppin looked great this year. Mitchell Robinson's fun to watch. You know, and Erlens Noel isn't fantastic. And then I guess it comes down to R.J. Barrett and Kevin Knox. And obviously, R.J. Barrett leaps and bounds better than his counterpart. But try stockpile Wendy for the Knicks and see what you can do. We'll wrap up the show here at 534, the only one of the week. So, Luke, feel better if you're listening. 
with rookie QB watch. I could not, could not skip this segment this week after Zach Wilson wins rookie of the week for the third week this season. Now it's a fan vote. So put that aside, considering Davis Mills had a much better week being a better team and more efficient offensively, just better, right? So we'll start with Mac Jones. We talked about him before. 33-21 loss to Buffalo. 14 to 32. 145 yards passing, two interceptions, sacked once, 33 rush yards. Zach Wilson, a five-point win against Jacksonville, 14 to 22 for 102 yards, a touchdown, 91 rushing yards and a touchdown, and somehow has the highest QBR of the year, or of the week rather, among quarterbacks at 92.4. Trevor Lawrence. In that same game, 26 to 39 for 280, no touchdowns, no picks, 37 rush yards in the loss. Again, I don't know how he ends up. He puts up like 200 plus yards every single game on 40 pass attempts and can't seem to win. Rounding it out, the only one that played out of the final three was Davis Mills. No Fields, no Trey Lance, who might get into action next week with a lingering injury to Jimmy Garoppolo. But Davis Mills, 41 29 win over LA. 21 to 27, 254 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, sacked once, and somehow he managed to be impressive. You know, one of the only mid-round picks, third-round pick out of Stanford that's actually done anything. When you have Jake Fromm embarrassing himself for the Giants, that was what was he a seventh-round pick? Jake Fromm. Regardless, he was just he couldn't even play quarterback. He had to get pulled for Mike Glennon, who was pulled for Fromm a week earlier. Yeah, fifth-round pick. So somehow the third-round pick can play, but the fifth-round pick can't. And we'll end it. I know I said it. We'd end it with rookie quarterback watch, but I've got to throw some shade at my guy that can't even defend himself in Luke Owens. Because his lock of the week that he loved so much, he was embarrassed by it. Embarrassed by the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I said, I said, you know, that half point wouldn't make a difference, and it certainly did not because the Steelers stunk, stunk it up on Sunday Night Football. It wasn't even close after the first quarter. What was it, 21-0, 23-0 at one point? Of course, Baltimore with their third-string quarterback can't do anything for me. I lose that game. I lose San Francisco like I said I would on Thursday night because I had to pick against Tennessee. Really thought they had a chance. They left a lot of points on the board early and ended up losing... 20 to 17, and, and, and man, you, you've got to win that game. You you felt good. You were hot going into the game, but you fall apart. My Bucks pick would have won, but Miami pick that I also had won as well last night. The Rams smoke. Who they put? Minnesota minus three. That was a pick of the century, all right. Looking at Luke, did real well. His two losses were really, really bad between Pittsburgh and Washington. But. Wins three games. I'm up one game on him in that week at 4-2. and two. He's still a very respectable 3-3. Three and three. And I sit three and a half games back of Luke Owens in our pick battle. We'll have our picks out later in the week. But that's all the time we have right now for the Wally and Owens Show. If you missed any minute of it, be sure to check out our Spotify, our Apple Podcast, or wherever else you get your podcasts for the full show. Thank you guys for listening. And Luke, feel better.